The scripture this morning is Jeremiah 33, 14 to 18. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel, and the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Oh, wow. Sorry. Need to fix this. What a joy. What a joy to start this week uh, celebrating uh, the Sunday Advent of Hope. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you gave it for our edification. Um, you gave it for our training in righteousness. You gave it to understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your Spirit, make your word do all these things for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. This Sunday, we start the season of Advent. Advent is a season in the church calendar dedicated to the hopeful anticipation for the arrival or advent of Jesus Christ. The word advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or visit. During the Advent season, we keep in mind both Advents of Christ. The first one in Bethlehem and the second one yet to come. I love the fact that during the Advent season, our days become shorter and darker. Just when our world is in darkness, Advent guides us through a time of light. And this is a vivid representation of the coming of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The Advent season should slow us down and remind us that December is not just about frantic preparation for Christmas. Advent helps us to focus on and make Christmas about Jesus. And today, today we start with the Sunday Advent of hope. What then is the biblical meaning of hope? Well, biblical hope is based on a person. As we will see in our passage this morning, and this hope is different from optimism. 
Because optimism, optimism is choosing to see how things could work out for the best in any situation. In contrast, biblical hope is not fixated on circumstances. In the Bible, hopeful people often recognize that things would not, and I will repeat things, things would not get better. But they chose to hope anyways. The prophet Hosea lived in a dark time when foreign empires were oppressing Israel. Still, instead Still, instead of fear and disappointment, he chose hope when he wrote, God could turn the, the valley of trouble into a door of hope. In the middle of dark times, he said, the valley of trouble will become into a door of hope. Because if God has surprised the people of Israel by saving them from the Egyptian army in the past, he could do it again. And that is biblical hope. You can see it. It is God's past faithfulness that motivates us hope for the future. It's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. Biblical hope takes us to look forward by looking backward. And biblical hope brings us to trusting nothing other than God's character. Psalm 39 verse 7 says, And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? And he himself answered the question, My hope is in what? Is in you. That is biblical hope. The story of humanity is a story of God revealing to us his character and who he is. Showing us that apart from him, there is no hope. Notice at the beginning of creation, he created everything good. But we missed the mark. And since then, we have had to deal with terrible consequences. But God did not leave us alone. God did not give up on us. That is the story of our salvation. Our whole story is a story of God never giving up on us. That is why God called 
Abraham, Abraham's family to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And even when Abraham failed many times, God never gave up on him. The same happened when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. And they cried to God. God did not leave them alone. He sent Moses to lead them out of the land of Egypt. And when the people of God turned their backs in rebellion in the desert, He did not destroy them. On the contrary, God sent leaders like Joshua, judges like Gideon and Deborah, and prophets like Samuel to bring them back to God. God did not give up on them. Then later, the people wanted to be ruled by kings like the rest of the nations. So God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint the first two kings of Israel. The first one was Saul, yes, and the second was, was King David, who was from the tribe of Judah. It was during this time of King Solomon that the kingdom of Israel was divided into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And even when the nation was divided in two, still God did not give up on them. He continued speaking through prophets in both kingdoms. About a hundred years later, when the northern, northern kingdom fell to Assyria, Jeremiah was a prophet in Judah. At about this time, the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, were worried that a foreign nation would also overtake them. And they were, and they were right, because they abandoned God. Babylon was at the door of Jerusalem to destroy them. And in the middle of this scenario, in the middle of this chaotic and scary time, Jeremiah spoke a word of hope that we read in today's scripture. But before we go into today's reading, let us talk a little bit about who Jeremiah was. The prophet Jeremiah was not the most popular of the prophets because he always spoke to the people about how they turned their backs on God. Jeremiah prophesied against people worshiping other gods. And oh boy, people did not like what he had to say. Many times, many times they threatened to kill him or put him in jail. 
And because all of that, Jeremiah was constantly living at the edge. He was called the weeping prophet. Weeping. Yes. Not the weeping prophet. Weeping. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. Every time that he was prophesying, he returned back home crying because nobody listened. The reason was that they kept, kept telling the people what God was calling him to say. But the people of Jerusalem never, never listened. It was in this time, in chapter 32 of the book of Jeremiah, when Jerusalem was surrendered by the Babylonians, when there was no hope for them, that God told Jeremiah to go and buy a field. Can you imagine buying, buying a field in such a terrible time? It was from his own pocket. And God told him, go and buy a field in Jerusalem. Purchasing a field in Jerusalem was a bad investment and foolishness. Don't you think? It's like buying a property right between Russia and Ukraine. Right now. It makes no sense. Just think about it. How might this ridiculous act be an act of daring hope? But that was exactly the message that God was bringing to the people of Jerusalem. Buy that field because there is hope. And that is what Jeremiah chapter 33 in our reading today is going to be talking about. In verse 14 and 15, if you open your Bibles with me, we go to chapter 33 of Jeremiah, verses 14 and 15. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Notice in this passage that hope is not optimism. And hope is not based on your personal strength to choose to see how things could work out for the best. No, Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. And to be honest, the circumstances were about to get worse for the people of Jerusalem. So this promise was not based 
on circumstances, but on the person of God who was speaking through this prophet. It was based on God's character and in his promises. Notice in verse 14 and verse 15 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. And if you put the Bible verse there on the screens or you read in your Bible, the word Lord there in my version of the Bible, not that one, is capital letters, all L-O-R-D, the Lord. The name that God used when he appeared to Moses. The name is Yahweh or Jehovah. We were singing this morning, there is no one like Jehovah. That is the name that God was using to give this prophecy. The Lord. And the word there is Lord Almighty. Nothing is impossible for him. He is the one who is signing the prophecy. And then it says, I will fulfill the promise. If you have a doubt, he says, I will fulfill the promise. And later he says, I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And then in verse 15 says, in those days and at that time, I will cause, I will cause the God, Lord Almighty, the great Jehovah will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall, the branch, he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So you hear, here, you see clearly how again and again is God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. The promise I made, I will fulfill it in the future. It was telling the people of Jerusalem to look back and to trust that there was hope for the future. You look backward by looking, you look forward, I'm sorry, by looking backward. Trusting in nothing other than God's character. God Almighty. And notice when in the text says, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up in verse 15. And again, if you put the, the verse 15 there, uh, dear brother, the world... The word branch is 15, yes. The word branch that you see there is capitalized because it is a noun. 
it refers to a person. God is promising as the one who promised to Abraham, to Jacob, to Isaac, to Moses, to David, to the tribe of Judah, he is promised that from there is going to come a branch. And we know that and we know that this prophecy was fulfilled in the person in the person of Jesus. As God has promised 400 years later, a little branch came up from the stump when everything seemed lost. In the least expected place, a baby was born in a stable. In the first coming, he came as a little branch. Isaiah described him as a little root out of dry ground in Isaiah 53. A little root out of dry ground. In the first coming, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. A little branch. In his first coming, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. And in our reading this morning, Jeremiah in verse 18 put it this way. If you go with me and read verse 18, Jeremiah 33 verse 18 says, And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings and to burn grain offerings and to make sacrifices forever. It's what we have been talking all this year in the book of Hebrews. Jesus was the offering for our sins. But at the same time, he is the one who presented his own sacrifice as the high priest before God the Father to satisfy the justice of God against our sins. And this sacrifice was offered once and forever and was presented to God the Father once and forever. And that is the hope of the first coming of the branch. Our debt before God is paid in full. Our debt before God is paid in full. A branch out of the house of David. In the New Testament, the first Christians, the first followers of Jesus, cultivated the similar habit of hope 
They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were God's loving way of saying, I am not giving up on you. I am not giving up on you. It was, it was his loving response to our slavery, to evil, and to death. Ah, but that is not the end of this story. Our hope is not ended there. There is more. If you go and read with me verses 15 and 17, we'll see that there is more waiting for us. Verse 15 says, In those days, in those days, and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Now, verse 16 says, In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And at this and this is the name by which it will be called the Lord, the Almighty, is our righteousness. Verse 17, for thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. We still we still see evil as the people of Israel did. We still live in uncertain times as the people of Jerusalem did. And we still live paying the consequences of our fallen nature. We still see injustice and insecurity all around. But the second part of this hope is this. The day is coming when the throne of David will have a king forever here on earth. The throne of David will have a king and throne forever here on earth. That is part of our hope. So our hope is bold. We are waiting for the day when we will be rescued from evil and death forever. We are waiting for the day when evil will cease, when the branch of David will bring and execute once and for all justice and righteousness in the land. <laughs> Maybe... It, seem, it seems crazy right now to think about that. Maybe. But our hope is not optimism. 
based on numbers or algorithms. Our hope is in the Lord, the God of Abraham, Moses, and David, who never gives up on us. God sent the branch, the righteous one, to pay for our sins the first time. And he has promised that Jesus will come, will come for a second time to reign forever. Now our hope is looking back on the resurrected one. God fulfill his promise in the past. So therefore, we should have no doubt that he will fulfill the second part of his promise for all of us. That is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the hope that you bring to our hearts based on your character, based on your name, the God Almighty who makes possible the impossible. We have hope that as you did the first time, the little branch came. Now you will come for a second time and you will be king forever. And you will bring justice. And you will bring peace. And you will bring joy as you reign forever. We praise you. We love you. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.